Thanks so much, Laura and the band. Um, Friends, it's so great to be with you tonight. My name's Nick Van Ruth, and if you're watching this later on, uh, good morning, good lunchtime, good evening, and good night. Um, I'm the Young Adults Pastor at uh, Hills Baptist Allgate, and uh, I've got a Canadian accent, so in case you're wondering what's going on there, that's why it's not the stream uh, messing with things. That's actually how I sound, would you believe? Uh, But let me tell you the uh, storyline of every adventure story ever. Well, we have our hero, and then there's the problem, and they get to a point where, where the hero is facing the problem, and they say, how can I do this? How can I get over this? How can I get through this? I was talking to a friend recently, and, and we were talking about how this global pandemic we're going through, like, who would even think to write this into a movie? Like, it's just so crazy what's going on around the world. Uh, you know, we can't you can't make this stuff up, what's being said from positions of leadership, what's happening uh, in, in third world countries and first world countries. And even like, I think, you know, the, the protagonist, the hero in that story would just be someone uh, sitting on a couch uh, ordering takeaway. Like that's not a very entertaining movie. Um, but but we're, uh, it makes us ask the question, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through this? And friends, tonight, we're not going to answer that question. Uh, there's a different question that's going to come up. Uh, what we've been doing over the last few weeks is, oh, sorry, the last two weeks, and we'll be doing for the next few weeks in the evenings on Sunday, is looking at the letter of 1 Peter. Now, this was a letter written to scattered Christians around uh, Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. It's kind of in between Israel, uh, northwest uh, from there, um, kind of uh, near Greece and Italy, um, modern-day Turkey. Peter's writing to scattered Christians, and they're scattered uh, in that area. They're they're removed from the epicenter of Christian fellowship and teaching and leadership. Uh, So they're isolated, a bit like uh, we are now. But more than that, it's clear from the the letter that they are persecuted significantly. Uh, We know as we flick through the pages of of 1 Peter that they're insulted, that they're uh, falsely accused, that they have oppressive uh, bosses, oppressive masters, that they're imprisoned, and, and much worse, all because they're Christian, all because they bear the name of Christ. And so Peter writes this letter to encourage them, to encourage them to stand fast in the grace of God in that season. And so the question that uh, Peter is addressing is not how will they get through that, how will they overcome, but how will they thrive as children of God in that season? And that's the question we're going to be looking at tonight as well. How are we going to thrive as Christians in this season? And so we're going to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 2, 3. I'm going to read that now, and then we'll... uh, We'll dig into it. So grab your Bibles. It's also going to be on the, the feed. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who calls you is holy... So be holy in all that you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. 
Since you call on a father who judges every every person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. And their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. So by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is is good. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is uh, the very first word, therefore, therefore. Now, if you've ever been part of a Bible study or or grown up in um, Kiss Church or, you know, you probably know what question to ask whenever you see a therefore. Uh, So when you see a therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? And in this case, uh, it's because uh, it follows on from what's just come before it. Uh, in 1 Peter, the, the chapter's kind of split in half. The first half is Peter telling the scattered Christians who they are. The question he's addressing is, who are you? We heard that from last week. Mark Sanders preached a fantastic message uh, exploring what Peter was saying, that, that we are children of God, that we are, are born into a living hope, that we have an inheritance that will never fade, that we are chosen by God. We are, we are children of God. And so Peter says, this is who you are. Therefore, this is what you do. And so the second half, the, the therefore unlocks what the second half is all about. Drawing from who we are and who God, what God has done for us. Therefore, this is what we should do. And so in the first half of the passage, there's a whole heap of what's called indicatives, uh, verbs and words that indicate or tell uh, the reader what, who they are, what God's done. Um, and then there's the therefore. And in the second half, there's a whole heap of what's called imperatives, commands or things that, that, pe- that have to happen, that must happen. It's imperative that these things happen. So what Peter's saying is, this is who you are, therefore this is what you do. And so that's the first word. And what, what this comes from, and we need to remember that behind every action is a belief about who we are. And behind every belief about who we are and our identity is a belief about the world. And behind that is a belief about God. And so it's important to, to understand who we are and also understand what that means for what we must do. So it's the first word. The second uh, word, second phrase is with minds uh, that are alert and fully sober. This is really interesting in the original uh, translation, like what Peter like 
literally says is gird the loins of your mind, right? Who knows what that means? <laughs> gird the loins of your mind. Um, what he's referring to is if you remember, if you know the character of Peter, he was a fisherman before he became a disciple of Jesus, and uh, and the the kind of you know the the outfits they wore in that time were really long gowns. Um, you know, I was going to wear mine tonight, but but Emily said I couldn't, so otherwise I'd be able to do a real life demonstration. But what they'd have to do when um, I'll set back so I can kind of demonstrate is when. When you've got something to do or you've got work to do, you need to run, go do an errand, you would, you would pick up your gown and tuck it into your belt so that you could run and, and go do your work. So you'd, you'd gird your loins. So your loins is your thighs. And so that, but he says, gird the loins of your mind. And what Peter's saying is, is get ready. Get ready for action. Buckle up. You know, roll up your sleeves. We're going to get, get uh, dirty and do some hard work here. We've got things to do. And similarly, with uh, being uh, fully sober, he's, he's not talking about not being drunk and not, um, you know, not drinking or, or anything like that. Uh, he's talking about being focused, being disciplined, you know, knuckle down. This is what we've got to do. So what Peter says in this, in this whole passage is, uh, this is who you are. Therefore, knuckle down, buckle up. This is what we've got to do. And so he's got five imperatives, five things that he tells the, the scattered Christians, this is what we've got to do to thrive as Christians, as children of God in whatever season that we're in. And those five imperatives are set, be, live, love, crave. Set, be, live, love, crave. Let me expand a little bit to help you out. Set your hope. Be holy, live in fear, love one another, crave God. So they're the five imperatives we're going to look at. The first one, set your hope. Uh, let's, let's have a quick uh, read of the first uh, verse again. So verse 13, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So Peter's clear, set your hope on grace, on the grace that will be given to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter's talking about what are we looking forward to? What is it? What's the light at the end of our tunnel? Uh, Peter's already talked about the hope that we have, that we're born into a living hope. And he's already explored what that means in the first half of this chapter. Uh, we, ho- we have a hope that is grounded in the, in the past event, in evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, and a hope that looks forward to the great inheritance that he has in store for us. Uh, but, but in verse 14, he says, Set your hope uh, on the grace of God revealed through the return of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I don't know if, if you're wondering, but... You know, the grace of God, the unmerited favor, the, the, the love that he shows us that we didn't deserve or didn't earn that invites us into his family. Don't we already have that? Haven't we already received the grace of God? Why does Peter say that is something to look forward to, to hope in, in the future, or it will come when Jesus returns? And yes, we, we do have the grace of God now. 
We have God's unmerited favor that invites us into his family. We have that now. But there is more to come. I don't know about you, but one of the things I miss most during uh, this uh, social isolation is our family dinners. So uh, every so often we would get together with my, my siblings and my parents and all of our kids. And so there's six grandkids at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, that's like, that's beautiful chaos uh, with them all together. And, uh, you know, my mom would usually cook and it's great. And sometimes I would cook and it's awesome. Uh, sorry, mom's watching uh, my brother preach tonight, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> But right now, right now, we can't do that. We can't gather and have family dinners at the moment because, and, and fair enough, you know, we, we, we don't want to, certainly don't want to put anyone else at risk or um, each other or anything like that. Uh, so we're not meeting. Um, and, you know, for those who are traveling abroad or moved out of home or, um, you know, we can't meet with our families, but just because we can't meet or we can't go home, does that, not, does that mean that we're not part of that family? No, I'm still a member of my family. It's just I, I, I haven't gone home yet or I, I can't join them. And same with our church family. You know, all, all of us, are, you know, the other side of that screen, just because we can't meet in person doesn't mean that we're not family, that not, we're not members of this church, of this community. But I so look forward to meeting with you again. And so that's what the grace of God is. We are called into God's family. We're called into God's family. We're God's children now, but we're not home yet. Uh, Peter says, tells us to set our hope on Jesus' return. And that when that happens, he will call us home. And we will be whole and complete. We will receive that inheritance that he's promised us. And he will restore all things and bring justice to this world. I look forward uh, after all this to have dinner with my, f- my family again. I look forward to seeing you guys again. But, but man, I look forward to when Jesus will return and we will be brought home. So where are we setting our hope on? Where What brings us true hope. And in this season with, with the COVID-19, you know, is it the vaccine? Like if, if only we find a vaccine, then everything will be okay. Or is it, you know, once the economy recovers, then everything will be okay. Or, or you know, better leadership or different leadership, you know, a, a vaccine uh, might help now, but there will always be other diseases. You know, the economy might recover, but what this whole experience has taught us is that we are not in control. Humanity is not in control. And leadership will never be perfect. These things will not um, bring us true hope. But Jesus will return. And by grace, he will bring us home. And that is what we need to set our hope on in this season and every season. That is what needs to keep us going. That will give us the focus we need to, to do all these different things we need to do. Which brings me to the second imperative. So, set your hope, be holy. Have a read with me, verse 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in everything you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 
So Peter is calling these scattered Christians who are out in, in the area of Asia, you know, separated from uh, their Christian family. They're called to live differently. As children of God who are not home yet, they're to live as if they are. So Peter tells the persecuted Christians, they're not to conform to the evil desires that they had when they lived in ignorance. That is, they're not to be driven by their own desires like uh, before they met Jesus. That is not who they are anymore. They're to live holy. Now, there's, there's a lot of words to define in tonight's passage. Uh, what does holy mean? A lot of people uh, think it means um, being really moral or being perfect or being re- really religious. And that's not quite true. That's, that's not quite it. What holy means is being set apart for God. That what we do and what we say and what we, and even our, our existence is, is not for our desires, but for God's purposes. It's a question of what drives us. Is it our own desires or God's? And it comes back to our understanding of who we are and who God is. So we are God's children. Uh, you know, like Peter says, as children of obedience. Uh, so our lives should reflect the family we belong to. Uh, so Peter works this out in the rest of the book. Um, he works it out in um, more detail later, what it means to be holy in the household, what it means to be holy at work, what it means to be holy when we suffer, and what it means to be holy as leaders. Uh, but throughout it all, it's not about being religious. Being holy is not about being religious. Being holy is about belonging to God and living lives that reflect that. So, so for now, you know, let me ask, are we living holy lives in this season? You know, during, uh, while we're stuck at home or, or restricted, are we living holy lives? Does the way we treat each other ref- reflect the love of God? Does the way we think and, and what we look at reflect uh, the purity of Jesus? Does what we do, say, and think re- reflect the family that we belong to? Does it reflect the character of God? Uh, my, my dad was telling me about a, um, uh, a mission in India called uh, the Bangalore City Mission. And they're in a very, um, uh, very poor area of India and obviously like very significantly affected by the coronavirus. Uh, and this, this school um, uh, that, that offers education to, to poor families and people who can't pay, they decided that they would um, uh, use the resources they had to buy food, to share food for all those who needed it. Because, you know, of course, in that area, there are people who, whose parents have left to, to work and can't come back because of the restrictions and, and, uh, and people have lost jobs and, and really desperate situation. And so, so they did that. They, they opened up the school and said, come on, uh, we're going to share our resources and, and feed the people who need it. And, of course, the school was overwhelmed. Uh, they ended up having to get the police to shut it down because there was too many people coming in. But they didn't want to stop. Uh, so they, they organized um, staff from the school to go around and to speak to different families and give them tokens that they could bring and redeem for food so that even though they couldn't uh, facilitate it at the school, they could still uh, help and be generous and feed uh, the people who need it. I'm telling you this story because here is, is 
is a group of people uh, who reflect the love of God for those in need. These guys are living holy lives. You know, instead of following their own desires or, or you know, hoarding what they need or, you know, taking all the toilet paper and, and whatever else, like they're not following their own desires. They are following God's purpose to, to feed the hungry. They're living holy lives that reflects the love uh, that belongs to you. And this is what Peter says we should do, to, to be holy, to, to belong to the family that we belong to, to live like it. And it's closely related to our next imperative. So we've had set our hope, be holy, and live in fear. Live out our time in reverent fear. And this idea comes from uh, the wisdom literature. Uh, you know, we've, we've looked at that over the last uh, sermon series that we had, uh, where, we, where we explored the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it'll be great to go back and check that out. Uh, but for now, like the definition of, of the fear of the Lord is knowing our place in God's world. And Peter says, particularly here, is understanding that and knowing that God is the judge who will judge fairly. Now, there's a trap that, that many Christians fall into uh, who believe that because because God has forgiven them, uh, because of God's grace, his unmerited favor that invites us unconditionally into his family, that it doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter what we do. And that's just not true. Uh, not only, it, you know, as God's children, that we need to live like God's children and live holy lives. Like, that whole thing aside, God is a just God. He, he's just. He, he judges fairly. And so it's not it's not that because of God's grace, God doesn't care about what we do. In fact, it's the other way around. Because God cares so much about what we do, God's grace is required. God is the judge, and, and we deserve judgment. But, but Peter says we are redeemed, not by imperishable things, not by uh, gold or silver, not by what we can say or do or earn our way or paid ourselves. We are redeemed by the very blood of Jesus Christ, God's own son, the perfect lamb sacrificed for us. That is how we are redeemed. And that was required because God is a just God, but he's a God full of grace. This was always God's plan. We are saved through Jesus' death and resurrection. So again, it's not because of God's grace God doesn't care about what we do. It's God cares about what we do. Because of what we do, God has shown us grace. God's grace is required. So we live with fear. And it's not that we're afraid of God's judgment, uh, but we have faith and hope in God. Faith in his plan and hope in his grace. We know our place in God's world. So as children of God, we set our hope on his grace. We are holy. We live with reverent fear. And next one, we love one another. We love one another. So let's, let's read uh, verse 22 and 23. Now, you've been, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth uh, so that you can have sincere love for one another, Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. 
So as children of God, something has changed in how we can treat each other. You know, before, love is transactional, right? So love is transactional. I will love you if you love me. I will help you if you can help me. I will commit to you if you commit to me. But now that we've been purified, Peter says, now that we've been redeemed, now that we belong to God and in Him, we have everything that we could possibly need, that we have love, the love of the Father itself. We can love each other sincerely, not transactionally. So the commandment, the the imperative is, is quite straightforward, but challenging. Love one another. We need to love each other deeply and from the heart. We need to show love to one another, not because of what we get back in return, but because of what we've been given by God. There are two things to pick up on on this love. The first is that we're to love deeply, deeply. You know, there's meant to be depth and and, uh, effort put into the love we have for one another. And I think, you know, this is challenging in this season because we're physically separated. And that's hard. So that means it's going to take a lot of work to pursue each other, to commit to each other, to help each other, to love each other in this season. And that's, that's hard, but that's a commitment we need to make. That's effort we need to put in. That's, that's the depth that's required for our love for one another. And the second thing is that it's, it's from the heart. It's genuine. We're to love one another genuinely, sincerely, from the heart. And I think the, the challenge for us in our churches today is even when we come, even if we're able to come back and, and meet in person, we still come wearing masks and pretending that uh, everything's okay. And, and often, you know, uh, we, we have this, this facade going that, that society pushes on us, that, that we, we try and protect our brokenness. But how can we love each other? if we're pretending to be okay and we're not being honest about our own hurting? How can, we, how can someone love us when we are hiding our brokenness? Again, it comes back to who we are and what defines us. Uh, Peter tells us that we're born not of a perishable seed, but imperishable. We're born, uh, th- we're born of the work that Jesus has done in our life. This work... We know through the word, the enduring word of God that will outlast all things. It's like uh, Peter quotes Isaiah at this point in verse 24. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this this is the word that was preached uh, to these scattered Christians um, in Asia, and probably it was preached to them in Jerusalem by Peter himself in Acts 2. Uh, but for us, this word is brought to us in the pages of Scripture. This word is the true word of God. This is how God tells us his plan and his purpose, how he reveals to us his salvation. And so, so the question needs to be asked, what defines us? What are we born of? Who tells us who we are? Or, or rather, who do we listen to? You know, is it what we watch on, on Netflix or Stan or Disney Plus or whatever um, 
st- streaming things there are these days? Is it what's trending on Facebook? Is it the society that we live in that pressures to keep up uh, this certain image, that, you know, keep our masks on? What informs the way we live, the way we treat one another, our identity? Because there's something greater than all those things. And that's the word of God. That is what needs to define us. And that leads me to the last imperative, that we're to crave God. Let's uh, read um, 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, the first three verses there. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Peter is simple here, you know, let's be real. Uh, Therefore, therefore, there's another therefore, so let's ask, what's it there for? He's just been talking about how he loved, and now he says, get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. These things get in the way of love. They get in the way of love. I'm sure you can recognize that. I personally find it very difficult to love a deceitful, envious, slanderous, malicious person. But that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about the, 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 the object of our love. It's talking about us. It's talking about me, how I love, how you love. One of the favorite lines of mine in um, conflict resolution training that I've been a part of is where there's conflict, there are idols. Where people struggle to love and serve and get on board with each other, they're competing idols, other desires, other things they want to serve. And so if we find loving other Christians hard or loving anyone hard, we, we need to ask ourselves, is there a malicious intent here? Is there something I want to achieve or gain through this person, through this interaction? Am I trying to deceive them into thinking something that's not true? Is there a mask or image I'm trying to protect that they are threatening? Do they have something I want, something I envy? Are my words building them up or tearing them down? Peter says, get rid of those things. Get rid of them and crave something else. Crave something else. He says, verse 2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. And what he's talking about there is the enduring word of God. Peter says, we're born of the word and we grow through the word. It's by God's word we get to know God. It's by God's word we understand his plan and purpose. It's by God, God's word we grow and mature. We understand both the salvation we have, but also what he has in store for us. It's by God's word that we learn how to live in his world. And so, so crave, craving God's word doesn't mean you know, waking up at 2 a.m. and spending five hours reading the Bible uh, before the day begins. Uh, But it does mean we should always want more, always want more. Whether that's five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour or whatever, we we need to crave more, always desiring to interact with God more, to read his word more and want more out of it. And we've got the opportunity now 
There's, there's an opportunity. Uh, uh, Hills Baptists are posting on the community Facebook pages uh, every day uh, someone from, our, from within our community reading uh, pages, a couple of chapters from the Gospels. And we're about halfway through Mark. And excuse me, so you could join uh, today. You can go on and find uh, today's video and, and have a look at it. And then tomorrow, you know, taking just 20 minutes out of your day to stop and to grab your Bible and to bring up the video and, and join with someone from, from our community to read God's Word and to see how great, how good our God is. How good God is. Because that is the motivation. That's the motivation for, for craving God's Word, for digging deep into God's Word. It's not so that we would become more religious. It's not that we'd be, uh, grow, you know, get bragging rights or have a really good understanding of how the Bible's put together, and that's good and valuable. But the reason that we, we crave the Word of God, the reason that we crave God is because God is good. God is good. And he speaks to us. He reveals himself through his word. And so we crave the word. We love one another. We live in the fear of God. We live holy lives and we set our hope on the grace of God. It's hard to know what God is doing during this season of coronavirus and, and isolation. And I wonder, is, is part of what God is doing uh, startling us into doing what we should have been doing all along? Um, you know, even things like spending more time with family, like that's really important. Uh, but we should be doing that all times. But, uh, you know, things like uh, loving each other more intentionally in community, slowing down to spend more time in God's Word. Is God trying to teach us to do these things better? But these are things, these are important things to be doing now, but they're always important and things we should always be striving for. But to come back to our question at the start, how are we going to get through this? Uh, now, I said we're not going to answer that because it's not up to us. Uh, you know, in our, in our story here, we're not the heroes. God is the hero. It's up to God. He will deliver us. God's the hero of our story. But, that, but we still have our part to play. We are God's children looking forward to the day to be that we will be called home. So in this season, we set our hope because we know Jesus is coming. We are holy because we are God's children. We live with fear because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We love because we are born of the enduring word of God. And we crave God because we know he is good. And so how can we thrive in this season as God's children? These are the things that we need to get cracking on. We need to buckle up, knuckle down, get onto it. Set our hope, be holy, live with fear, love one another, crave God. In this season and in every season, that's what we need to do. Why don't I pray and then we'll spend some time worshiping together again. God, you are our good God. We praise you for your enduring word that everything else in this life will pass away. Anything else that we, we might put our trust in or might present itself uh, as the answer, God, that will fall away. But your word will endure forever. 
And God, we want to we pray that you would help us in this season, but in every season to set our hope on you, to live holy lives that reflect the family that we're a part of, to live in fear, in, in fear of you as the good, just judge, but that fear that leads to faith and hope. That you, we pray you'd help us to love one another deeply and sincerely and from the heart. And God, we pray that you would help us crave you, crave your word, and that we would wake up with a desire to to see you, to hear you, and to open up your word and you speak to us through your word, Lord. God, we thank you that this season is, is, this isn't going to break us or or change or, um, you know, this this isn't a surprise to you what's going on in the world. You are in control. You are sovereign. You are powerful. And in all things, it's not about the season or the situation we're in, but it's the God that we follow. And so, God, we pray that we would set our eyes on you, that we would crave you, we would do all these things, all in the knowledge that we are your children. And through this, Lord, we pray that we would thrive, that you would use us powerfully for your glory in this season and in every season. All all for your glory, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.